Hello, I'm Ed Lattimore, a former professional heavyweight boxer and best-selling author of Sober Letters to My Drunken Self. Today, we're going to talk about the importance of looking danger in the eye, the connection between addiction and loneliness, and how Mike Tyson inadvertently got me back into the boxing ring. Stay tuned. Welcome to another delicious episode of Curiosity Bites, the most binge-worthy podcast on the internet. If you'd like to join in this conversation about today's show or about any of our past shows, you can simply go on over to Curiosity Bites and find us on Facebook, right? We've got a group there. Uh, my name is Dove Barron. I'm your host, and you can find out more about me and how I advise and guide those who are at the top of their game to discover what's truly next. Just come on over to DoveBarron.com. That's D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com. Or you can email me, Dove at DoveBarron.com. D-O-V at D-O-V-B-A-R-O-N.com. Here's something I'm continuously curious about. Is there life after life? No, you didn't hear me wrong. Not life after death, but rather, without actually physically dying, can you reincarnate? In other words, can you, while you're living, let yourself, let who you were truly die away and reemerge as someone potentially different or better? Well, that's the rabbit hole we're going to go down on this particular series of the delicious episodes of Curiosity Bites. So grab a beverage, find a cozy corner, because our guest on this episode is Ed Lattimore. Now, uh, he is a former heavyweight boxer. He holds a BA in physics. He's a veteran of the United States Army National Guard, a competitive chess player, best-selling author of Sober Letters to My Drunken Self, Ed's writings focus on self-development, realizing your potential, and sobriety, all of which he approaches from personal experience of overcoming poverty and addiction. So ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and help me welcome the athlete, the philosopher, the author, the poet, the warrior, Mr. Ed Lattimore! <laughs> thanks that's for being here mate i really appreciate it hey thanks that's that's quite an introduction i always uh when i hear about myself sometimes i go man that's this it's crazy i got to live all these wonderful lives and learn all these wonderful things and and really a lot of if not all of what you mentioned has occurred in the past eight years and prior to that you know we're kind of floundering around figuring things out i had started boxing but that was pretty much uh it and really a saving grace in in so many ways because fight training is one of those things where like you you can't lie about it you can't fudge it you're either uh showing up to the gym and putting the work in and, and we're gonna know uh, yeah. we're gonna know on fight night or you haven't, and when we're going to know on fight night, you know, there's no way around that. And so to save myself from embarrassment and physical pain, <laughs> I made sure to, to prioritize getting in the gym or at the very least, you know, I, I, I was one of those guys. It was, you, there was a rule. It was like, you know, you can go out and go hard Friday night and party and drink all you want, but you better be in the gym the next day. So that kind of consistency is really, really useful. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to that. But 
you you kind of hear like the extremes in that 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 there's the there was the part of me that was like oh man we we mm-hmm. gotta like drink all the time and sure. but you gotta train all the time is is my mom described me one time and, and my coach described another fighter with a similar um similar background he, he coached a uh, paul spatter four and i don't know how much you know about boxing but but paul uh was the uh, light he, he was cruiser so i because i know he was trying to fight but he was a champ he got a belt and he, mm-hmm. he, he yeah so it was like it, it was a significant belt it was the, the international boxing federation belt those who don't know it was like there are all these belts in boxing, right? Sure. They're like four legitimate organizations that, that we go, oh, he's a champ. And it's yes. IBF, WBA, yeah. WBA, and WBC. The the alphabet boys is as we as we like to say. But but he was a he was a champ, but he also he also I uh, had a lot of a lot of issues in the uh in the substance category. Right not just from where he was, he grew up in a rough area and then he came up and, you know, boxing doesn't typically attract uh, the kind of guy with a lot of other options, you know? <laughs> and so, so if you don't get that under control, it's going to eventually control you. And, and hearing my, my coach kind of talk about Paul and how he burned the candle at both ends, he would be an incredibly hard worker, but you'd also have to kind of keep him on the rails you know i never i never had the pleasure of being in the gym at the same time as paul we we, we kind of he kind of was leaving as i was coming in even though we have the same coach but but i got to you know talk to him every now and then and and, and see him come in and attempt to kind of work out and and it was really interesting i mean brilliant boxing mind great great god this this genius that kind of comes with living on the edge in other parts of your life because there's no other room for really anything else it's like this is what we focus on but to deal with the, the stress that comes with that there was the other issues and i dealt with similar issues i wasn't wasn't great and as brilliant as he was but but you know you come into it and you face your demons you know the, you brought up a couple of things that i actually am going to go into and i really want to get into um that are very important but you know i want to just for everybody here, just to give a little bit of context. Um, you know, you and I talked about that you started boxing pretty late, 23. Um, for people who don't realize that that's quite late for boxing. But nonetheless, I want to take a minute and talk about the, just because people will be very interested in it, the Tyson connection. Um, the Mike Tyson connection between you uh, ah. and that you, helped, <laughs> that you helped Roy Jones Jr. T- talk to us a little bit about that. How did that come about? Yeah, so so I am. I I keep myself in in pretty good shape, and, yes, and that's do. probably an understatement. Yeah, but, maybe. But, <laughs> well, like you know, but before the interview, I made sure I was like, all right, I got enough time to get to the gym. All right, let's get to the gym. So so I went, you know, put a mile and a half in uh, yeah. running. But that, that's that's life, though. Sure. And, and I don't need to be getting ready for a fight anymore. I haven't been in the ring getting ready for an, a contest in, in four years, right? But I, I made sure I stay healthy. And this is really significant because my coach also was the coach in the last part of his career, of, of his active career of Roy Jones Jr., the, you know, the, the multiple weight class world champion. Yeah, Roy Jones Jr. 
All right. And so this this big fight that was televised and mm -hmm. they made a bunch of money for pops up. Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones in kind of an exhibition match. And my coach messages me. Well, since he calls me, because my coach is old school, he calls me and he goes, Hey, uh, you, I know you're not really interested in fighting anymore, but uh, you want to get some sparring in and, and help me work with Roy? I get this fight's coming up, and, and I told him, We, you know, we got some sparring up here. Uh, if he'll come up more because Roy lives in Pensacola, and I'm based in, in Pensacola, Florida, and I'm based in, in Pittsburgh, PA. That's where we live, right? And I said, Sure, because it is because I've actually been like toying with the idea. Of, of fighting and I kept myself in shape and I said, Let, let's go, let's go do it. And and I'll tell you what, <laughs> first, uh, a testament uh, to my, my coach and I'm sure he'll come up again. He's, he's really a, a great person who, who I, I feel like I'm triple indebted to for, right. the, for how my life has changed uh, once, once I met him. But he, he taught me so well because I was able to go in there and be fun and, and work and spar with Roy. With that said, this is uh, Roy Jones Jr., man. Like, I don't know, uh, you know, anyone listening has ever seen him fight, but this is, I mean, this guy was just a freakish athlete, incredibly fast, could, could have done anything else, but decided he was going to box. And when I say right. anything else, I mean, athletically, he could have, you know, yep. probably played in the NFL or, or hooped or whatever, just, but he said he was going to fight. And he's 51. So, so my coach was like, yeah, it's funny. My coach said, okay, I, you know, you're a sparring partner now. And that's different than getting ready for a fight. The goal sure. isn't to go in there and kill him, but you also can't let him steamroll. You have to provide enough resistance sure. to, to make sure he gets better. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here like, okay, I, I, I get it. I mean, you're not really worried about me, you know, giving Roy problems. <laughs> uh, like, hold on a second here. <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of a what? Look, I, like, I'll tell you what, man. Um, so fast, and we see so fast he can get away with things that fighters can't normally get away with. As a perfect example, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in front of him, and we're, we're, we're moving and, and going at it. And he stepped off, uh, did a quick side step, and and got a hook in. And it was through my guard, up the middle, busting my nose wide open. Here's, what, here's what's unique. Through the guard. You, you should see. You just, I mean, I have the pictures on Instagram, like, of the shirt I was wearing that day. It, 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 it was a white wife beater, but it was, um, it was like, red. I mean, because I, I was bleeding and we couldn't get into control. But I'm like, oh, whatever, man. I'm all good, right? We kept sparring. It was good. But here's the thing about that. A hook in through the guard. Normally, a hook comes around the guard yeah. and hits you on the chin. But to get around and uh, a hook comes in with the, you know, with, with the uh, ability to, to do that much damage, I was like, wow, that is incredible. And here's the cool thing about it. The cool thing about it, man. He's a, he's a very, he's competitive, but he's not, he's not an asshole about it. You know, right. he, he, you know, you, you feel like Roy, wants to beat you in boxing. Right. But he's rooting for you if you get a good shot in on him. Right. And afterwards you're just chatting and having a good time and everything. It was really nice to to meet somebody who's who's achieved so much 
in the in the realm that you exist in and your specialty and he's he's a down-to-earth humble character i was really you know but it's interesting because you know obviously for the rest of the world not necessarily for boxers but for the rest of the world the headliner was mike tyson mm -hmm. you know tyson was the man he got i mean he got the bigger paycheck um you know so tyson was the was the calling card and i think that a lot of people didn't know who who he was right and so the, you know so they probably thought he was a bit of a clown you know who's just decided to get in the ring and um you know and it's just a way for tyson to show off and say i'm not i'm not dead and i'm not fat you know whatever it is <laughs> um yeah. and people don't realize you know because I, I didn't know much about him and i started to read and i was like wow you know this guy's been a superstar but he stands in the shadow of tyson and that's the problem is that you know he you know so if you for me if i look at it in categories you know there's tyson and, and then roy stands in his shadow and then mm -hmm. you stood in roy's shadow you know so it's, it was what interesting I, to me when you told <laughs> me about that i was like oh that's very interesting because i know there are a lot of people who look at you and go wow you know what you've done and the boxing and where you came you know and i've and, done nothing compared to his guy. but then you look at those guys like so it's fascinating isn't it that you know you were talking before about competitive suffering and i talk a lot about that and i think it's an important th subject to go to and we will get to it in a bit but there's also the other way which is you know you think you're all that in a bag of chips and then you're sparring with roy and then roy's getting in the in the ring with with mike and it's like hmm there's Where am I really? another level exactly and, and, and a real cool thing about fighting this is really one of my favorite things about it is you don't you don't achieve a level of success at all any success without having your ego dragged through the mud and being humble because you because you you learn by negative feedback Right. Boxing has an excellent negative feedback loop. And instant negative feedback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't make the same mistake twice. Well, yeah, unless unless your name is Dove Baron. When I boxed, I was very good at making the same mistake several <laughs> times. And that's why I think my nickname was going to be Kid Candle. One blow and I was out. <laughs> wow. That <laughs> wasn't true. That's, that, not that's, true. that's better than when I found out about why they call them tomato cans because they tip over easily and red uh, spills everywhere blood <laughs> but but you 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 can't you can't get good at this just without without getting hurt and getting hurt fundamental like physical hurt yep changes uh how you interact with the world fundamentally you you um what 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 do we say we used to say it's like turning down the noise mm -hmm. of the world mm -hmm. Everything that happens around you kind of just is, is muted because you know what real pain and suffering feels like. And there's not a lot of ways left in this in this very comfortable advanced world to experience that. The the closest thing I think I have uh, from and this is just from my research for for a person to go through would be like special forces training mm -hmm. or something like that, where like not only do you get hurt it's kind of expected you're going to get hurt and you got to sign off 
on getting hurt. Mm -hmm. Like when we fight, you have to, at the amateurs, it's handled a bit differently, but in the pros, you, you explicitly have to sign a contract or, or a thing that says, you know, if you, if you die in the ring and it's the, and, and it happens under the rules, right? Like, like, you yeah. know, there's nothing, it's nothing. That's it. Good, good job. You know, Back we, we will, we will mourn your loss and we will speak your name in reverence, but there will be no, <laughs> there's no legal uh, ramifications and your family's going to get nothing. That's it. So that's, that's kind of, that's kind of uh humbling to go into that arena. Yeah. And again, there's a lot to talk about and unpack even in that, but you know, the thing about this is there could be, and the likely is many people here have never boxed who are listening, watching us. And, and I, I wanted to bring you on because your story is much bigger than boxing, far bigger than boxing. Um, but there is a piece here around boxing that I, that I think is important for everybody. And one of the things you just talked about was the instant feedback loop, right? You, you drop your guard, you start making mistakes and you get clocked and that's all there is to it. You are going to feel pain. That's the other thing, but there's another piece in here. And I, I found this the most difficult thing of my training when I boxed it. Remember I boxed a very, very long time ago. Right. So, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even consider myself in any way a boxer, but one of the things I had to learn was about controlling fear. And, you know, you talked about that a lot of the people who get in that ring are, don't have a lot of other options. And my brother and I boxed together. We were both trained by actually uh, an Olympic father and son who both competed for Britain in both boxing and wrestling, actually. Um, and my brother had a bad temper, bad, bad temper, but he had tons of killer instinct. And, and one day Max pulls us both out and he says to me, he says, he goes, I wish you had the killer instinct of your brother. And he looks at my brother and he goes, and I wish you had the technique of your, of your brother. Right. So I could be technically good. I could listen. I could learn, but I didn't have killer instinct. I hit somebody. I'd be like, are you okay? Are you okay. I didn't want to hurt him. Right. My brother, on the other hand, would get clocked and he would, he would jump on them put him on the floor, on the, on the deck, put his knees on their shoulders and stop pounding them like it's a street fight. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's not going to work. But this understanding of controlling fear, because most of the people who were in that ring had been through some kind of an abusive situation and they all had some kind of grasp on fear. Fear, to some degree, had controlled them. Uh, fear controlled me, it controlled my brother, but in different ways. And one of the things we had to learn in boxing was when this comes, you can't close your eyes. Right. Right. And, and I was like, what the hell? And I remember looking at, at my brother and when, when Max was teaching this, I was like, what is he talking about? Like, I don't close my eyes because there's no thought of closing your eyes, <laughs> <laughs> but your eyes close automatically. And that, level of training to look punishment in the face to look the danger in the eye and keep your eye open so that you can move away from it that for me is the ultimate discipline right so the eyes wide open 
in the um, in the face of absolute danger is the only way to avoid the danger. Talk to me about that in your experience, because I think that that's a profound lesson for everybody, no matter what your sport is or non-sport is. Oh, that's so that's so poetic the way you put that, man. Uh, the only way to to avoid danger is to stare right at it, and and you know when you were talking about the the killer instinct, the the first thing I thought of was so so my every, we we all come in with strengths weaknesses whatever. Of course. Uh, my biggest weakness was I don't I don't operate emotionally it's very hard for me to, to to go there to go pure emotion in fact I I, I view it as a weakness I did it in, in fighting my coach said said to me one day he goes your biggest problem is you think this is a sport you treat it like a sport this is a fight and if you don't treat it like that you're going to get hurt like it's a fight because they're going to be trying to hurt you and and when he when he said that to me I I a light switch kind of went went off, and I started looking for little dirty things, dude. Because because then I because then it, for me it was like, let me think about how to bend the rules here. You know, get a get a groin shot in here, a rabbit punch there, an elbow there, and then it was like, and then it turned into an art, and and it still wasn't killer instinct, but it had the same effect. As far as the fear thing goes, this is um another great thing about the sport. And and what it what it what it does to anyone that practices it. To be a good defensive fighter, to to not even to be good, to just learn basic defense, you have to make your opponent miss by as little as possible. Because if you miss make a miss by too much, you're not going to be in position to capitalize on on the count on the counter opportunities, mm -hmm. on his his lost balance, on his on the energy expended to attack you on him getting close you, you can't do it because you're trying to stay so far away you're not in range to attack and every fighter eventually learns that it's it's probability right and all you're doing is putting the odds in your favor i know that if, if a straight cross is coming at me the highest probability thing where i'm going to be the safest and be able to cause the most damage is to slip and go underneath, right? That that's high probability. That, that that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. But better is if I can if I can just block it and rod with it, and then I'm close and and I have my balance and I'm I can really rip and he's not going to be expecting it because he's like, oh, he's he's defending. But to do either of those things, I gotta be looking because when you you like the, there's no way to defend and not see like you can't go you can't close your eyes and throw a punch <laughs> and be afraid Again, unless you're Dolph Baron <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have to see in front of you right and likewise when something's coming at you you have got if you don't have it and you you got to develop it and if you don't develop it you you got to leave there's that negative feedback loop you got to be able to go that's coming at me I gotta look at it and not flinch because because a good because anyone that, that learns this game they're gonna learn the power of feints right mm -hmm. and, and a feint works how does a feint work it gets you to commit to an action that's not really there and my intention is to follow up with something 
based on the weakness you display. Like if you're, I know you're lunging forward, I'm going to try and knock you out of balance. If, if I throw a throw a hook and I get you to duck, I'm going to try and come up, come up, come up with an uppercut. That's going to be the actual punch and the the feint was the hook. Okay. If you fall for those because you're afraid, then then yeah, I'm going to pick you apart. I'll beat you mentally, you know. Right. But if you are able to stare me down and not react to my flinches, yeah, that's going to make leave you a little more open for a punch that actually comes because you didn't react to it. But the damage far less. Mm-hmm. And you're in position to attack and you're ready because you're not you're not reactive. You know, the issue a lot of times is when a person is reactive. And if you're reactive all the time, you never get a chance to be proactive. And I, and I really think that's the only way to get ahead. Because by definition, when you're reacting, you're second to act. Your, comp- your competition yeah. is always going to have a step on you. But eventually, you got to be proactive. And to be proactive when when all the – the world's not going to slow down. We want to, like, make this an analogy about life. Uh, the world's not going to slow down for you. So you have to figure out how to be proactive in the midst of all this chaos. Yeah, so all that, again, is very interesting because, you know, it brings me to, I'm sure you've seen the documentaries on Mike Tyson, for Mm -hmm. instance. Quite a few. Uh, And and Tyson talks about being pushed into the ring, uh, terrified, because he was so afraid and that he was a very afraid human being and that he lived his life in fear and being pushed into the ring. And the reason he was such a killer in, in, you know, he was killer Mike was because he was so afraid that he'll, you know, talk to us about, talk to us about fear from your experience, not your observation, not your philosophy, but your actual experience of that. My personal experience. Yeah. So, so growing up, um, you know, I, I don't, it's very similar. We're going to use Mike. Like, you know, you grow up in these in public housing, single mm-hmm. mom, all the problems that come with that, the the violence and, and the, the, the constant kind of, and not just at home or not just in the street, but you know, you're also at home because you know, it, it's even hard for me to say now, but but you gotta you gotta own it. You know, abusive parent, right? She doesn't she doesn't know she's being abusive. It's just what works, but it's abusive physically, emotionally, all that, right? And there's never a way. There's there's never a safe place mm-hmm. that a lot of people get used to. Mm-hmm. So so what we learned to do, what what I learned to do, was create a safe place. And that safe place could be anything. When I was a kid, it was it was stories and it was RPG video games because I love the stories. So it was stories for me, fiction, books. That was my safe place. As I got older, it became sports. I played sports in school to keep me from going home. It's my safe place, right? In fighting, you gotta be able to find that safe place in the ring, okay? Because everyone's afraid. Even me, who was like zero. I mean, you you take the test. My neuroticism is like non-existent. My anxiety non-existent. But but it, but I have to. But I'm still afraid. You know, I'm not a psycho. What I learned to focus on, I learned to focus on 
my skill, my preparation, my ability. Because to me, I, I, I try to reason my way out of fear. That's how I do it. You know, everyone has an approach. Mom was reasoning. I said, I'm afraid because I'm not ready. So let me get as ready as possible. And, and what this does is, is it doesn't really deal with the fear. I mean, the first part of my amateur career, I used to struggle with nightmares before before fights of Louis, it was, it was weird, man. Like all the time without fail. I think it kind of continued in my professional career too. But what I did by approaching my fear this way in an attempt to kind of mitigate it is, it is it made me work harder and it made me fight better. It, 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 was, it was taking the fear and figuring out a way to benefit from it. That's, that's what I did. And and you you look at what Tyson did comparatively. He he turned himself into a a. He tried to become bigger than fear. He tried to become more fearsome yep. than the fear he was experiencing. And and I think that's one of the keys to dealing with fear. Everyone does it. They find their way to fight this demon. But what they don't do is they don't run. I never had the chance to run. Running was not an option. I, I learned as a kid, running wasn't an option because I lived in the same neighborhood as the people who would who would try to attack me, right? I lived in the same home with my mom. There's no running. When I get to boxing, I'm in that ring. There's no running. I cannot get away. I can't stop. I, you can't take a knee. I mean, you can, but like, that's the end of your career as far as anyone who wants to book a fight is concerned. You're not going to fight there. So instead, you got to find a way to make a safe space in the middle of that chaos. Right. And, and then there's that, that theme again. The world is not going to uh, decide to slow down for you to nope. have an adjustment to this chaos. You got to keep pushing through and you got to keep working through it. And, and that's how I dealt with the fear. I try to create... Um, an analogy, it's like like everything's unstable. I'm trying to find a stable thing to hold on to and grip. If I can get it, it ain't gotta be a big platform. Mm-hmm. I don't even have to fit on it entirely. I could be hanging on by my pinky, right? Mm-hmm. That's the amount of space I get, but that's enough. That's enough for me to get some orientation to work. And then, and then there's experience. You realize getting hurt, um, I've, I've heard a few guys say something like, and this is this is true, my experience. Once you get, take that first punch in a fight, then you come to life. Because you realize, okay, I'm not made of paper. This man can't really do damage. Now, when he can do damage, you know, that's a different story. That first punch, you're like, whoa, what did I get into? Uh, <laughs> I, I've had that experience twice, once as an amateur, once as a professional. I was like, wow, this this guy can, can really crack, man. I might might be in trouble. But but it's not fear because you know well what are you what are you afraid of you're not you're not really afraid of dying right you're afraid of being embarrassed that's what it is you're afraid of you're afraid of, I'll never forget it man uh, someone someone said to me you just hear these little like bits of wisdom throughout the fight game sure and and no one no one thinks of themselves as like a fighter philosopher man they're just putting things into into the best words they know sure and. And sometimes someone comes along and they can, you know, use some world. But he goes, "You're not, you're not afraid of of getting hurt. You're not even afraid of dying. You're afraid of the other man dancing on your grave before they've had a chance to uh, or dancing over your corpse before they've had a chance to, you know, take it off. Like while you're still warm and fresh. That's that's what's terrifying. 
And I thought about that and I was like, you know, man, you are, you are absolutely right. We're not like, like no one cares, but like we get hurt all the time. Right. Heck, they call it the hurt business. Sparring yeah. hurts. But but when you get when you get embarrassed, man, ooh, that's that's a hard one to deal with. <laughs> All right. Um, we are at the end of part one of our show here with Ed Latimer, who is, as I said, is an ex-heavyweight champion, ex-heavyweight boxer, um, and uh, a poet and a bunch of other great stuff. And we, you know, obviously in part one here, we've talked about um, what it's like to box. But now we want to, in part two, we want to go back. We want to sort of take a trip back in history and find about how this human being has, in fact, reincarnated while, while living, meaning, you know, from who you were to who you become and how each of us needs to maybe potentially look at that. So stay tuned, stay curious, and we'll be back in part two with my special guest on this fabulous, binge-worthy, delicious episode of Curiosity Bites. We'll be back, and I'll see you on part two. Stay curious, my friends. Stay curious. <laughs>